This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So I'm kind of annoyed this week as a value investor, and I decided this would be a very good topic, my annoyance, to talk about because I'm sure some of you are feeling the same way. So what am I annoyed about? I'm annoyed about fundamentals. As value investors, we care what we're paying for a company. It needs to be cheap, obviously. That's why we're buying it. We are looking for value. And usually that cheap component is cheap on the fundamentals. Either its earnings or its sales are usually the two that we look at the most. And usually one or both of those are cheap. So it'll either have a low PE ratio, which is the price to earnings, and usually we look for under 15. You could look under 20, but usually under 15. Or, and or, it has a price to sales ratio, the other one, of under one. Now remember what a price to sales ratio means. That means we're getting the sales at a discount if it's under one. So let's say we had a price to sales ratio of 0.7. So when you're on uh, whatever finance page you're using and you look at the price to sales ratio on there and it's, it'll say 0.7 there. If you've always wondered what that means, like, is that good or bad? That is good for those of us who are value investors, because that essentially means that you're paying 70 cents for every $1 of the sales. And who doesn't want to do that, right? Like that's, that's on sale. That's the definition of a sale of the sales because we're getting them cheaper than what they're actually generating. So that's a deal. Now, um, I've been getting asked a lot this week, this is the annoyance part, if some of these high-flying growth stocks are deals or if they're values here because they pulled back 10% or 15% off their all-time highs. Um, I'm sure you know what my answer to that probably is. Like, it depends because we have looked at some stocks that I did consider to be values based not on these like classic value fundamentals that we were just talking about, PE or price to sales ratios, but based on how it's trading in regards to its industry and is it cheap compared to its other peers. And you can find some value based on using that type of valuation metric. But for the most part, most of us will look for the classic fundamentals, which are PE, price to sales. There's some other ones we've talked about, the PEG. Um, and we'll look for cheapness in that. So when I get asked if these high flyers are values at this now pullback level, usually my answer would be no. So one of those I took a look at was Visa, ticker V. I've wanted to buy Visa for a couple of years, but I've always been waiting for the pullback, right? And there never really has been one. There was one during coronavirus sell-off, but there were so many during coronavirus sell-off that Visa was not at the forefront of my you know, initial buys as I was adding some to my portfolio last year. Um, and it's been owned by Berkshire Hathaway for a long time, since 2011. So they had to find some value in it, right? Um, but, and it's a great company, stock is up 1,246% since its 2008 IPO. So it's had this great run. It has not missed 
on earnings during that time and everybody everybody knows it and what it does and it still is continuing on its growth trajectory but it now trades even with this recent weakness in the shares with a price to sales ratio of 21.3 so just for comparison with the example i just gave you on the price to sales ratio this means that for every dollar of sales you are paying $21 to own that $1 of sale. So does that sound like a deal? No, that's pretty expensive. Now, uh, Visa has already, uh, was never under one, even when it went IPO, when that was the cheapest it's ever been on a price to sales ratio was around its IPO. And when Warren Buffett bought it, it was trading with a price to sales ratio between six and seven. So he got it a little bit more expensive. It was around four when it went IPO. But some companies and some industries just have a more elevated price to sales ratio. So you have to keep that in mind too when you're looking at it. But if you compare 2011 when it was between six and seven, and now here in 2021, 10 years later, when it's at 21 times um, on the sales, you can see Buffett actually bought in the sales at a fairly affordable level. And now if I'm a new investor, I'm not getting them cheap. I'm not getting them at, at anything, no discount, no nothing. I'm paying a premium for those sales. Now, right now, up until this year, 2021, the street hasn't really cared about the premium. The stock keeps rising and investors are willing to pay that premium for the sales because that's how much they're valuing those sales now and in the future. But eventually this valuation will matter. And I wish I could tell you when, I wish I had the magic eight ball to tell me, you know, oh, it, it'll be next month or six months from now is when it'll be simply too expensive and the stock, you know, won't go anywhere or will have a big correction of some kind or, whatever it's going to do or just tread water for maybe even possibly years in a row we don't know but at some point it will um go back to its more norms of levels on the price to sales ratio so these are the things i look at when i get asked this question on are these high flyers values now and when people tell me you know, fundamentals don't really matter and it's growth and we're in a new era and, you know, you're a boomer and you don't know, but we do know. Uh, remember, fundamentals and valuations will always matter. And what the business is doing matters too. Like, what is its business? That matters. Don't buy a business, don't buy a company through a stock where it's based on hopes and dreams. I know many of you like to, or if you do know, you know, have a diverse portfolio, have some of the hopes and dreams companies, because, you know, a lot of biotech companies are hopes and dreams, right? I've bought some of those. I bought ones where they were entering into phase three trial, thinking that they had this great new drug that was going to save people's lives. And then it, it didn't make it, didn't make it through the trial. So, Hopefully, you know, some of those drugs do make it through the trial. And we've seen that with the vaccines for COVID, right? They made it through the, the trial and now we're all getting it. 
And that's that's the hope with the biotechs. But a lot of other companies and types have hopes and dreams too that may not get fulfilled. So every company usually puts some kind of forward optimistic scenarios about their sales, expansion, new products, where they're going. That I should hope they do. That's what I want them to do. Um, we all want to be striving to go to that next level, to become the top of the industry, to grow in new markets and find new customers and have you know new exciting products. Who can ever forget Steve Jobs and his product launches at Apple? Those were a master of branding and public relations, really. But Apple actually had a new product to brag about at those launches. Remember, you know, Steve used to just hold it up and say, like, here it is. Here's the iPhone. This is what we're giving you. Here it is. Here's the iPad. This is what you can now buy in just like three weeks time. So this was real. These were real products going out to the market. And these events weren't just for investors or analysts, even though that's who was invited a lot. The analysts were invited, obviously. Um, but they were real-time events where um, you know you could actually get whatever it was they were selling you at those launches. Uh, they weren't just up there saying, we're working on this new device, and we think we'll be able to sell it to you in three years. No, it's right now, and it's it's real. So I've recently seen two examples of the hopes and dreams type of analysis going on and reasoning to try to um, sell you on buying these companies in your portfolio. Um, so I thought I'd talk about those and what what is an alternative to some of these hopes and dreams type stocks for value investors? How can we get real uh, companies doing the the real business right now, actually doing the growth right now, but get it cheap. <laughs> that's kind of the dilemma, right? That's that's a harder one to get. So the first the first example of the hopes and dreams is Tesla, not because of the car um, ticker TSLA, of course, but because of how some of the analysts are modeling where that stock could go. So I'm sure many of you saw Kathy Woods' arc put out a model on Tesla. She was the first one to really call the high levels that it's at now, what it was like two years ago, a year and a half ago, where um, she put that high price target on it. So they're back again with another high price target for the next like four years, I think it was through 2025, of you know over $3,000 price target on it. But they modeled in an insurance underwriting business that was, they believe, going to be worth over $20 billion by 2025. Now, Tesla's not really in the insurance business right now. And that area is very competitive and highly regulated and requires high cash reserves. So you can go look on Twitter at all the discussion of this model and what they may get right, may get wrong, what they're assuming. But a lot of this is all hopes and dreams. If you're looking at Tesla right now, based on the business model they have right now, current price to sales ratio is 23.6, even though those shares have also pulled back off their highs. Um, so keep that in mind when you see some of these uh, further out price targets from analysts or investors, investor groups, or like this ARC model. A lot of this is built on what might be what their hopes and dreams are 
but this is not the reality right now or anything even close as they don't even have this business going on right at the moment. Um, and time, time is ticking, right? Um, so keep that in mind. Now, a second example, and I've talked about this one before on the podcast when it annoyed me too, is GameStop, ticker GME again. So they just had earnings. Uh, they don't have a PE right now because they they have no earnings because COVID has really, you know, crushed all the retail businesses, um, at least initially, especially those with a lot of brick and mortar. That will rebound. So GameStop's business is expected to get better here in 2021, and they will have positive earnings again. Now, their price to sales ratio is just 2.3. So that's pretty low. It's not under the one telling me I'm getting them on sale here. Uh, but in the past, they have had a price to sales ratio even lower before, you know, the Reddit crowd and everybody's gotten in on this stock and really pushed it up. Um, so we now have the new activist investor in there, the Chewy.com CEO, and he wants to move everything towards online and digital. And now we have the Jeffries analyst who just came out with a price target, a new price target. They were at $15. Now they're at 175 and the stock's trading around 150, but it has been up at 200 just recently around when I'm recording this on March 24th, 2021, and it's been higher obviously in weeks past doing, due to the short squeeze in it. And so it was much higher than that. But this is a genuine price target of 175 based on their model. So they're not really modeling today's business because today's business would get them at about $15, right? So to get the 175, you have to have um, a model on on some other business. And so they did model it on the new strategy, this digital online strategy that GameStop's gonna try to pivot to. And it includes in this model, the assumption that GameStop would transfer 50% of its brick and mortar store sales. It has thousands of stores. 50% of those sales are gonna go online. That's how you get to 175. This is what they're modeling. And they're going to consider it basically an e-commerce company at that point. Now, they also believe that they're going to be able to shift the sales mix more towards, and then I'm quoting, collectibles, accessories, and digital, unquote. But will they? We don't know. This is all hopes and dreams. <laughs> Sounds good on paper, right? And the company is going to put together a strategy and try to make it work. But remember, there are already other players in this space, in collectibles, accessories, and digital. So these are all hopes and dreams for the future, whereas value investors are looking for the values of today, not, oh, they may be able to do this in two to three years time. Now that she is modeling for two to three years out and not here in 2021, because obviously they're not going to be able to do this kind of transformation in just like several months time. No, but their underlying current business is improving. And a lot of the other analysts are at the price targets between 12 and Jeffrey's old price target of around $15. So what happens if we want for now and not on the hopes and dreams? Where are we supposed to invest for that? Well, if you want the gaming, why not just go right to the source? Don't even go to GameStop. GameStop sells the games. They sell collectibles. They sell um, the consoles. Well, just by the console makers. Well, one of them is Microsoft, right? But I'm not gonna talk about them today because uh, they're not the cheap one. Sony is the cheap one, ticker SNE. 
It's had a big run, but it has pulled back here on the weakness in the tech stocks. So it's down about 8.3% in the last month, but it's still dirt cheap, even with the the nice run it's had over the last couple of years. So their PE is just 12.2 right now. Price to sales, 1.6. So they're not quite at the one, but they're the cheapest of any stock I've mentioned on the show today. And they're a tech giant and they've got a price to sales ratio of 1.6. Think about that one. They pay a small dividend, but you're not really buying it for that, but it's 0.4% right now. And uh, their, their huge PlayStation 5 has rolled out. They're going to get big uh, deals with that in the next couple of years because those game consoles last, you know, four to five years on average at least. And then they just recently announced that they were buying uh, Evo, which is the Evolution Championship Series, the world's largest and longest running fighting game tournament. This is eSports. They're partnering with another eSport giant company to buy them out. And this is another way that they're going to get into, you know, keep keep at the forefront on the gaming and eSports, which is the next level of the gaming, as we all know. Just FYI, here in Chicago, they're thinking about building a big eSport arena right in the South Loop there. We'll see if that actually happens. But that's where the sport is going, right? So this is cheap. This is not hopes and dreams. They just bought Evo. They've got plenty of cash. They're the largest music publisher. They're huge in movies. They have semiconductors. Bet you didn't know that. And um, films, once the films come back, they've got television. Um, and, you know, they're just, they're the complete package. So, yes, this is the real deal and not the hopes and dreams. Okay, what else can you buy if you want the real deal? What if you want those collectibles that GameStop is also selling? Well, why not buy the companies that's making the collectibles that has the licenses, Funko, ticker FNKO. I've talked about them over the years. I do own this one in my own personal portfolio. I bought it a couple of years ago because I liked their trajectory even back then. But things are looking up after a somewhat difficult COVID year last year, like a lot of retailers, especially with the type of product that they're selling. It's not something that was essential. So their sales did take a hit as well as their earnings, but they're on the rebound and they're looking for 25% to 30% growth here now in 2021. So they're back to the double digit growth. Um, they have that Loungefly brand. That's the one that makes like the backpacks with the Disney characters, keychains, crossbody bags, headbands, all of that in the in the last quarter, that was up 51% year over year in that in that brand. And their pop brand, which are those, uh, you know, the pops, the collectibles, those uh, grew 12% in the U.S. in the last quarter. International was still weak because we have the COVID. They do have big European sales, but with Europe pretty much locked down, we don't have the Comic-Cons. None of that stuff's really going on. When that reopens, that business will reopen and uh, continue on again. So these are just some temporary setbacks in Europe and hopefully we're moving out of COVID more as we head towards the middle part of the year. Now they also have games like board games and those have been like big sellers for them, especially during COVID. So they're diversifying in their product mix as well. And now supposedly um, 
The CEO gave an interview where he talked about NFTs, possibly Funko with its licenses, maybe getting into some kind of NFTs. So Reddit crowd is now in this stack. Shares have been up sharply, not like GameStop, but up double digits. Uh, when I'm recording this March 24th on this hope of the NFTs, we might see something by the middle of the year, by the summer on the NFTs. And they also said they had some other kind of launches set to come as well after that. So what kind of valuation does this one have, even though the Reddit crowd has suddenly <laughs> jumped in there? So they have a, a PE of around 20, although um, Zach's research wizard is telling me it's at 25. So one might be looking a little more near term, the other one a little bit further out. But so let's just say it's between 20 and 25 on the PE, but price to sales ratio is one. So I am paying a dollar for every dollar of these sales. And I do like the lounge, the lounge fly sales. They, I, I like owning those, right? Uh, sales expected to be 838 million here in 2021. And if they meet this year's growth trajectories, that meant they will have doubled their sales in the last five years. That's impressive for a small little company and with COVID mixed in. So very impressive. Earnings expected to be up 145% this year to 91 cents from last year's depressed level of 37 cents. So that's a nice rebound. And and we'll see. We'll see about this NFT things. But even if they don't do anything with NFTs, this type of company is um, in some hot areas with you know the collectible market and uh, with their various you know product lines and what's going on with those. So a lot of these companies are in these uh, similar hot gaming and um, online areas, and that's where you can be as a value investor. I just gave you two stocks that have some value. Uh, fundamentals to them and are pretty cheap and that aren't based on the hopes and the dreams and don't have price to sales ratios over 20. So take a look around. You might be surprised at what you might find. It might be a contrarian play because that's what value investors do. You know, uh, nobody's buying into Sony. I didn't even see this announcement about Evo. Nobody was talking about it. It wasn't on CNBC. That's big news. This is a big, a big thing they just bought out. So uh, value investors, we like to get it cheap because that's where we see the biggest gains. So don't get, uh, you know, distraught. Don't get sucked into the hopes and the dream stocks. You can buy good and great quality companies cheap, even right now in 2021. So let me recap the tickers again that I talked about. There was Visa, ticker V. It's too expensive for me, but if you're own if you're in it and you've owned it all these years, like Berkshire Hathaway, then no reason to sell it. It's a great company, but um, I don't see as much upside as what the street thinks is going to happen there at those valuations. Then we had Tesla, TSLA, uh, insurance side may or may not happen. We don't know, but it's got a pricey valuation. It always has. Tesla is its own animal on valuations. GameStop, GME, is it really uh, at a price target of 175 or are the other analysts correct at 15? Um, you know, that to me is not an investable stock. It's for traders only. So 
I can get GameStop's business other places like Sony, ticker SNE. It's super cheap. Again, PE is just 12. Funko, FNKO, I own that one and have owned it for a couple of years. Funko with all the collectibles and it's Loungefly uh, brand that's really hot right now. So you can get it. Just got to look around and be sure to check out all of our podcasts because I'm sure something will annoy me next week and we'll be covering those stocks here on The Value Investor. But there is value out there. You want to get all of our podcasts. You can get them on Zax.com. We have a podcast page now up on the top of our page. You can see the link right there. You can go there and listen to all of our podcasts, including our excellent ETF spotlight with Nina Mishra. She has great guests on her shows on the hottest ETFs and what's going on with all the ETFs. So check out that podcast as well. And you can get us all of our podcasts on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're on Amazon Music. We're everywhere. Be sure to get us. And I'll see you again next time on The Value Investor. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.